0: Next week, I'll I'll finish this this message out. We're finally going to get a talk about the Panama Canal, which is very key to this whole message. If you have read it, if you haven't yet, uh, grab it. They're also bundling uh, the two books together at the address you can see on the screen, my book and my wife's newest book. So you can get that uh, before now in September if you want to get them together. It's like a Let's Go package if you get them together. And there's information on the screen where you can you can grab that, so that's super cool. It would make a gift for someone in your life and and be awesome. But this week, I want to talk to you about uh, a subject that uh, is, to me, in my opinion, the most essential step if we are to take back our life and to see it be a meaningful, lasting change. And it has everything to do with the thoughts that we think. The title of my message is Hold that thought hold that thought that's something we say to people when there's a necessary interruption you know you're in a conversation and you're just listening and you know man that's that's amazing and and then something happens like your phone rings or you got to go to the bathroom or you know whatever and you're like ah i, re- I really want to, like i really want to hear you finish this thing cuz this is like a this is a thing man this is a great thing you're telling me i just have to Give my coffee back because it was it was like it was given to me and now it has to it has to return uh, or whatever it is like you're just like I, I have to take this call like it's like oh my wife's calling. gone it's like oh, I I, I, lo- I love she comes first y'all right like I love you but I, I got to deal with this other thing so so what you tell them is like don't stop don't don't lose like I love it because when you say hold that thought to someone. It's, 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 like a, it's like a verbal bookmark, you know? Like I've, I've been freaking out and telling everybody, like, what's your favorite thing about this book? And I'm like, it's the bookmark. I love that you don't have to lose your place. Like I know exactly where I'm at. When you say hold that thought to somebody, you're essentially like putting a bookmark in this moment, which is so important. And, and I feel like 90% of the time you say that, they, they don't. They don't remember it. Because they're like, oh, what was that thing you were telling me? It was, in fact, it was like the best thing ever. And it's like, they're like, I don't know. Ah, right? They didn't hold the thought. So when we use those words, it's almost always directed at someone else. You hold that thought. But I want to show you that that it can be flipped around too. And it can become powerful, and it will become life-changing if we can learn to hold our own thoughts. I want to teach you how to hold that thought. And if you have a Bible, we're in Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have one with you, the verses are going to go up on the screen. I feel like my assignment is specifically to point your attention to verse 17. But I want to read the whole paragraph it resides in, so you can get the context. And because the other surrounding verses do play a part in informing the verse that is my assignment from God for you this week. Paul writes, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That feels like an appropriate place to plug our new worship EP coming out on September 18th. It's called Morning. He says songs and hymns and spiritual songs, all right? Just saying, right? How subtle is that? Levi, it's so wrong. Right in the middle of the reading of the scripture, how profane can you be? Commercial over. I'm just wanted to help you apply this word to your life, right? And these songs are phenomenal. These five songs are tremendous. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word, Or, deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, God, we're grateful for how it changes us and marks us to hear your word read. Your words are so different than any other words, because in your words, we find life. In your words, we find light. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a guide for our path. So thank you for the illumination that you can show us the way. And then you are willing to give us the power to do the things that you show us to do if we ask. So we want to take you at your word. You're asking over us, wh- what do you want us to do for you? We're, we're asking you to change us, make us like you, and position us to help be a, an aid to other people who are hurting. David, after he was restored from his sin, he said, if you help me, I'll teach sinners in the way. So God, we commit to you, anything you do in our hearts in this time, we will not keep it to ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And in light of that prayer, if you prayed it, we got to do it. So just click that Facebook share button, send this link to somebody. Let them know they can join us for the second. You know, well, it's like second half. Like I'm only like just prayed, right? So we, the, the entirety of the message is basically still upon us, all right. So send it out to somebody, and you never know what God might do through you. I was on a Zoom call the other day, right. That could be said every day for all the days, right. And and someone got on, and, and they they randomly picked him out of the, the the group. It was like 100 people on this call, and they said, "How'd you end up on here?" He's like, "I live in South America, but I saw someone put on their Instagram story. This was this Zoom was happening." when the pastor was going to give a talk. So I, I don't even know who this guy Levy is, but here, here I am. I was insulted by that, but it's fine. Um, I'm, I've been told I'm huge in South America, right? I joke, like, like, like Spinal Tap. Anyhow, anyhow, uh, so, so, so you just never know what happens when you throw it out there and, and post it, right? Just it's like bait in the water. Jesus said we're fishers of men, and what, a, what an incredible thing the world wide web gives us in, in fishing all around the world. Um, this, this book, it says right there on the, the subtitle that, that a big part of taking our lives back is, is it has to do with thinking, it has to do with, 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 with mental, psychological warfare. Thinking right so you can live right. Why does it say that? It's because you can't live right when you're thinking wrong. Right. Yeah. And, and I've said before that, that the solution to every problem in your life is not going to be mind over matter. But what I do believe with all my heart and what this book affirms is that what happens in your mind really does matter. And it makes all the difference in the world. And we cannot love God like we're supposed to if we just do it with our strength and we just do it with our souls, but we neglect our minds. God wants us to love him with our minds as well. And so we need to uh, square up on the battlefield of our thought life if we are to. Uh, rise up as warriors and, and be successful in this conflict, whether it's external battles or internal struggles. Our thoughts in both of those situations gives us plenty of opportunities to think wrong. Listen to me carefully. Your wrong thoughts, your wrong thinking can derail you. You can end up far from where you're meant to go just one thought at a time. I have a friend who likes to say that every thought is a train. That's why they call them trains of thought. And before you get on a train, choo choo, you got to ask yourself, where am I going to end up if I get on this train, if I go with this line of thinking? Emerson said, sow a thought, you reap an action. Sow an act, and you reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap a destiny. The point is that the reward for negativity is more negativity, because you always see more of what you stare at. It's why it's why your your ads are filled with the things that they're filled with. The ads that on the internet, right? Have you ever weird been weirded out by the ads you're seeing? <laughs> How do they know? Because you were looking for that. Whatever you're looking at, they're like, oh, he likes that. Show him more of that. Show him more of the things. he's So, so whatever you think about, you're grooving like you're grooving parts of your brain out. You're making it easier to think more about that and more about that and more about that. And what I want you to understand is that by the power of the Son of God in your life, you can realize that you can take the reins back. You can take your life back. If you can, if you can get your thought life under God's control, your life will not be out of control. You can come to a place where you are victorious, and it's an inside job. Come on, freedom's an inside job. You have to. You have to. You must win this battle. And it all comes down to this life-changing paradigm. You do not have to dwell on every stinking thought that pops into your head. You have a choice. You can change the channel. If I'm watching something on TV and I don't like it, I'm not just going to say, I'm, I'm going to change the channel. I'm going to put something else on the screen. You cannot ever delete a thought, but you can replace a thought. And so that's what God wants us to do. And we have his power at our back as we do that. It's incredible. It's 2 Corinthians 10. It's a life-changing verse. Verse 5, I feel like God, for someone, just he brought you to this moment just so you could hear this verse that you can bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought must come into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. If you don't do that, you'll be captive. But if you take the thoughts into captivity, you'll bring those thoughts into captivity because they are forced to bow down at the feet of King Jesus. He is Lord of your mind too. When he bought you with his blood, he bought All of you, y'all, it was a hostile takeover. you got to remind yourself, this place, my body, is under new management. That thought pops into your head. That doesn't mean it gets to stay there. What are you doing sitting in that old chair you used to sit in? We've been bought by the blood of Jesus, sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are seated in heavenly places. I'm under new management. you got to bow down. Jesus is King, and I honor His name. So what that means is you've successfully done that once. Because even just now, some of you were at the edge of your couch. You're like, heck yeah, you almost spilled your orange juice, didn't you? Right? I get it. Right? I'm excited. And, 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 and that's good. That's, but guess what? You're going to have to do that again. And just now, that, that passion that rises up as we think of the exaltation of Jesus. I said that word so bad. The exaltation of Jesus. The exaltation of Jesus. Something rises up. What's that? That's the power of worship. And listen. It is impossible to worship and worry at the same time. And in that moment, you di- didn't you? You found the worries that were on your mind this morning, the worries that, that was dominating your day up until when you put this podcast on. On the YouTubes, right? You, you found it for a second, you shift. And that's what worship does. And so you've proved yourself able and capable of doing that. Now you just got to do it again. Now you just got to do it again. And you're going to have to do it again tomorrow, and again tomorrow, and again tomorrow. And every time those intrusive, invasive, destructive, and toxic thoughts pop into your head, you got to take your life back. you gotta take, You got to remind yourself of who's in charge. Around here, his name is Jesus. you got to remind yourself. Every, and it's, and it's so, it comes down to like almost every thought. It's in there, are like, mm, so you're listening to it. Because you you can't you can't you can't direct thoughts you don't detect. So you gotta detect them, you gotta be thinking about it, you gotta be analyzing them, you gotta be you gotta be filtering them, right? You, and you gotta remember, oh, this is so good. Help me preach this like I feel it. God, you have to remind yourself that you are authorized to put thoughts into a holding so. Hold that thought. What is the text, is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says, after an incredible book he wrote to the church of Philippi, summing it all up, friends, I say you'll do best by filling your minds with things that are true and meditate on those things. Noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you heard and saw, and and, and do that. And what will happen? And the God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Does there not feel in your heart something new rising up and stirring and breaking loose as you realize what's capable? If you could just win that thought life battle, if you could just win that issue, it would change so many things in your life. Don't you wish you could be worked into God's most excellent harmonies? Don't you wish that your entire life was an extension of the song that he was singing under his breath as he created the world. Don't you realize that there's a there's a power in living a life of worship and just like the stars were created to sing his praise for you to rise up and say, so will I involves you simply rejecting thoughts that come into your mind that would not move you towards the life that Jesus Christ died for you to have. I'm just telling you, something shifts and happens when you realize you are capable of taking a thought and putting it into a holding cell, running your, your thought life through TSA. And it's like, it's like here I am. I, I, bought, I bought a friend a pocket knife. We were talking on the phone. I said, I, I said how's, that, how's that knife? He goes, ah, my wife lost it. <laughs> I said, bro. He said, she took it to a baseball game, right? at a, a Major League Baseball game. This was not recently. Yes, his wife is a cardboard cutout. No, I'm joking. Look, he, he said his wife had gone to a baseball game at where they live, and there were some metal detectors. And they found the Leatherman in her purse. And they wouldn't let her go back to the car. They wouldn't, they wouldn't keep it for her. They took it away. So he bought her a new one, an identical one. So in case I was ever in town it, and I asked about it, he would be able to, he was a counterfeit. Like, dumb and dumber, he taped the bird's head on, y'all, right? Right, right. <laughs> Oh, Petey, 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 right? It's like, no, no, it's not Petey. And not, I was like, I would have known. known. I would have known. That is not the knife I bought you. I could smell the. the this metal came from a different smelter. No, I'm joking. So, so he said he bought her another one, and she lost that one too at the airport. She is like, this woman should not be allowed to have a knife, clearly. Uh, I would never embarrass you, Nick, by telling that story in public and citing your name. Because you and Summer would be horribly embarrassed. And I love you guys too much. And all that God's doing through you at Lakewood Church and the Young Adult Ministry to Houston, Texas, PO Box. No, I'm joking. Um, I love, 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 love Nick and Summer. And that was a funny story. But here, here's the point. The point is, she wasn't allowed to just enter into that stadium with anything she wanted. Because it could have been with bad intent that she came in with that blade. They're in charge of that stadium. So they said, yeah, stop right there. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Nope. That, that, yep. On the dot, pal. Right, we're standing on dots so much these days. All of life has become like preschool. Like, I go into Starbucks. Oh, I am on the dot in Starbucks. And it's funny, I like it, right? I'm like, I like knowing where to stand. I'm, oh, ooh, ooh, I'm moving forward, right? It's very exciting, uh, the things. But, but, but the reality is, they're in charge, and so they're telling us where to go, they're telling us what to do, and they're telling us, you can't come in here with that. We have to realize uh, that our thoughts are not the boss of us anymore. And just because a thought shows up doesn't mean. No, 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 don't sit down. I need to ask you where you're going to take me first. Are you the best? Are you going to lead to me me being in a place of peace? Are you going to bring me to a place where I'm capable of being a blessing to other? Oh, oh, you want to make me narcissistic? You want to bring misery into my soul? You want to direct the attention towards stress and hurt my body and hurt my mind and keep me from being a witness? Yeah, that's not happening. Because Jesus is King round here. Don't know if you heard that. That thought has to bow to the obedience of Christ. That thought has to come into captivity. Y'all, you got to hold that thought. you got to know the thoughts that come that are harming your soul and realize that our weapons that we've been given are not carnal, but they're mighty for pulling down strongholds. And some of these, these patterns of thinking we've been living in for so long, they've grooved their way so deep into our brain. It will not be easy. It will not be instant. But over time, come on, we're grooving. We can make a new groove. We can make a new groove. We can fire new synapses. We can build and form new habits. We can't delete thoughts, but we can replace thoughts. We can choose to let the triggers bring us to a place of praise. We can let worship be the soundtrack of our soul. We can pick up the weapons of our warfare. And we can and we must win this battle. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. He's already gone into our future. And he wins in the end. And so we have to, one thought at a time, hold that thought. And I go, oh, great. I know certain thoughts got to go in the holding tank. I get that. But, but, but what good thought am I holding? What ground am I trying to hold? I want to give it to you because Paul put it out there so clearly. Here's the thought. Here, here's the thought. You ready? Here's the whole thing. John Mark, you want to hear this? I've got some staff in here that help me preach so good. Don't, can you tell? There's like a few people socially responsible. They're scattered here, hither and thither. But, but, but they're helping me. I can, feel, I can feel the strength. With our powers combined, you guys, we are the fresh life Okay, anyhow. The thought we want to hold is this. Does what I'm thinking glorify and honor Jesus Christ? Is this, like, that's it. Like, okay, so hey, thought, have a seat. There you go, there you go. All right, so. Hmm, it's interesting. Because, yeah, I smell worry on you. And, and you know, what's interesting about worry is that it's kind of like faith in the enemy. That does not glorify Jesus Christ as King. My faith doesn't go in the enemy, which is me exalting what could happen, this terrible situation, this all these awful things. This thought, you know what? That thought is saved for glorifying Jesus Christ. The seat of my mind is allocated for whatever he said I, I do, in word or deed, I want to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to give thanks to God through him. My faith is in the Son of God who loved me enough to die and give me his resurrection power on the back end. So guess what? The thinking will not go to worry. It will go to glory. It will go to trusting. It will go to believing. It will go to praising. It will go to thanking. That's what I'm going to think about. That's what exists in my mind. And in those moments, the thought, here's the sermon in the sentence. Every time we have a thought that could go either way and we choose the outcome, we need to understand this. The thoughts you hold on to determine the future you head to. Whatever thoughts you choose. okay, you're good to stay in here. We're gonna sit here and just chew on that and worry about that and stress about that and obsess about that and why didn't they invite me and why didn't they tag me why did they crop me out of the ph- like they have the things now right uh, I, remember, I was in that photo they cropped me out before they posted it right I'm gonna think about Well, I'm gonna think about oh, i I'm, I'm gonna get back at them then. Well, I'm gonna da, 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 da. and next time I have a thing and I'll, I don't know but I'm gonna remember I'm gonna oh I have a long the, the thoughts we let in why don't I have that why wasn't why wasn't I why wasn't I born into a better like all of a sudden now. We're allowing ourselves to become victims. We're believing lies. All never change. It's always going to. and all, These thoughts then, shoo, 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 shoo. thoughts of jealousy, greedy thoughts, hateful thoughts, resentful thoughts. These thoughts come in. They, 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 they're so tempting. They're so enticing. They appeal to our flesh. In those, we've got to spot it. We've got to detect it. That doesn't honor Jesus. That doesn't glorify him. That doesn't belong here. Bye bye. And we have to choose to replace it. How do we do that? We do that with scripture. We do that by simply reminding ourselves of our purpose. We were created to bring God glory. If I think that thought, the train is headed towards the station called not bringing God glory. Therefore, we're doing the opposite of what we were put on this earth to do. And we're harming ourselves in the process. But when we remember, I was created to worship. I was created to bring God glory. I was created to, to, to revere and to celebrate and to make Jesus famous. So therefore, I'm not going to allow thoughts in my life that are going to derail that. And I want to show you, this is, this is so cool, I want to show you some of the implications. The implications are, if, if every situation where I have those forks in the road of thoughts, I choose the, the, the road that, that glorifies Christ, what I'm doing is, number one, I'm anchoring down my identity. My identity. My identity doesn't come from my job. My identity doesn't come from preaching or, or, or finances. My, my identity doesn't come from anything other than I was created by God. I was, I was made by him for a purpose. What Being made in his image is the opportunity to reflect back his glory and to enjoy it. That's our chief end. That's what the Westminster Shorter Catechism says. What's man's chief end? Like, what were we made for? What were we made to do? to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And it is by glorifying God that we enjoy him. We enjoy him as we celebrate. When we we turn it on ourselves or on other things, that's called idolatry, by the way. We harm ourselves because we cut ourselves off from the oxygen that is God's glory. You can't enjoy him while you're glorifying anything but him Then we're harming ourselves. But when we get our identity right, okay, now I was created to enjoy and glorify God. Then we we are informed in whatever else we do. Our identity will always make it so easy, because it tells us then what our activity is. And so the question we have to ask ourselves when we're about to do something or say something, which is what he said, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you do, word or deed, just because this is so simple. Just do the thing that glorifies God. Like oh. My, what, what would someone who glorifies God in this situation do? What would this, what would this look like? How, how would this play out at, at work? Would a person glorifying God be lazy and late? Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Would, would a person who glorifies and honors God uh, cut corners? Nope. OK, I'm going to do a great job making cabinets then. Like, this, this works its way out to Monday, y'all. This works its way out to, to doing the oil change on the car. We're not going to be sloppy. We're going to, we're going to honor him with excellence. We're going to honor him with kindness. We're going to, we're going to honor him by being present. Would, would a person uh, sit there on their phone with, with a kid who's going to grow up and be out of the house like in 10 seconds, is, is there trying to tell a story? No. No, they wouldn't. We'd be present. We'd be tender. We'd see and, and speak life into that moment. We'd, we'd, we'd be mindful of what's happening in front of us because it's a, it's a gift. And, and so it sorts out our identity. So who am I? Daughter of the king. Pretty dope. Who am I? I don't know, I didn't want to brag, but I'm kind of a blood-bought son of the King of Kings, so <laughs> what would a son of the King of Kings do? Represent dad, represent the father, and extend into, second point, broken humanity. When we are glorifying God, that's the thought we're holding. Hold that thought. Don't let that one go. Hold that thought. What's it going to do? It's going to change our interactions with each other. It's going it's to drastically impact the way that we talk to other people. And, and we will find, as we said in the weeks of the series thus far, as we give our lives away, we're going to find our lives in the process. And that's exactly what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than to receive, right? That's, that's the irony. It feels like taking is the key to having, but giving is the key to receiving, because God gives exponential blessing upon the heart that is generous. And so here's, here's Paul writing to Colossians, the Colossians letter. Where's he at when he wrote it? Hmm, prison. What are you going to do? Man, I got to encourage those cats. Why? He understood how God made us. As we enjoy God and glorify him, we seek to help and bless each other. And that's the channel by which God blesses us. I've already done it once, so I might as well do it again. Emerson said, it is one of the most beautiful compensations of life that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. It is going to change our relationships with one another. We'll stop snubbing and trying to assess how we rank and how we stand and who can help. We just, we then want to glorify God by honoring the, the spark of the divine in each of us. You are made in God's image. You are made in God's image. And so is I. So I now can help you and bless you and not try and figure out how I stack up against you. This is also going to change how we face adversity. I, I don't know if you knew this. Life's hard sometimes, so. Yeah, got that memo, actually. It's uh, a bitter pill, and uh, sometimes it's more than, than I can bear. And in those moments, worry and fear and stress would have you to open up the case, cold case, I thought, and maybe look into whether or not God really is good. What I came to tell you is that when you hold that thought, you will never look at God differently because of your circumstances. You will always look at your circumstances differently because of God. Amen. Meaning, I thought God was good. Womp, <sighs> womp. 2020. Guess he's not. Because if he was, he wouldn't. No, 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 no. We anchor in place, glorify God, honor him, even when it doesn't look like it's happening, even when it seems impossible, even when there's no absolute way, like when Jesus was cold in the tomb. But God's word stands. God's goodness is, is, is beyond finding out. He's above us. He's beyond us. He is God. And he has let us know who he is in the person of Jesus. So that is, that is a case Closed, never needing to be reopened. Therefore, then when we're handed something hard, we believe what he said to the Philippians. He's able to make all things work together. So I don't have any any clue, but I'm not going to trust the circumstances because I trust him. Seats taken, right? So what I'm trying to say is you're going to doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs instead of the other way around. And it's going to drastically change how you face adversity in your thought life because you're going to preload. God's got a plan. He's up to something. I know he's good. I don't know when. I don't know what. I don't know how. I feel crazy for even believing this. But guess what? I'm just going to trust him. I'm just going to worship him. I'm not going to give the enemy an inch by way of fear that he will plant in my heart. Maybe God isn't good. Maybe he doesn't see you. Because I choose to believe he is working in my dysfunction. He's working in this mess. He's working in this pain. He's going to bring something about. He's doing something. Come on, just praise him right now. Because we here we are in August of 2020. We're more of the year behind us than in front of us. But guess what? How, here's how the story is actually going to be told. It was hard. It was bad. It was painful. But then God did that thing. But then God began to work. But then God, I don't know what it is. I don't know what he's working, but he's doing something. He's trying to make us more like his son. He's trying to release us to true joy. He's trying to whittle down and shave down and shape and change and and alter so that when we get to heaven, we look back, we're like, thank you, God, for those hard things. Because through those things, you were like the surgeon cutting away the tumor. You You were working. It was painful. It was hard. What surgery isn't? But on the other side is health and wholeness and freedom and peace and joy. Yeah. As we choose to hold that thought, it'll change how we face adversity. It'll also change what we do when we experience anxiety. Mm-hmm. I feel anxious. It makes me feel anxious. I feel, feel panicky. this just, just makes me feel, ah, uh, terrified. You have a nervous system. And that nervous system, functioning out of whack, it's called anxiety. It's a good thing you have a nervous system because if a bear ever like came at you, your nervous system would wake up and be like, hey, you know you need to act. You need to do something. A car speeding towards you. You need a nervous system to bang kick on. Adrenaline floods through your system. Fight or flight time. Strength to pick up a car, mom, right? Right? This is the thing. You need that. When 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 it's inappropriate and it kicks on, that's that's referred to as that anxious panic that, that many people uh, report feeling. And in those moments, what we're experiencing in, 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 in an anxious flood is a nervous system. So since that exists, it's only appropriate that we also have a peace system, a system for peace. And, and yes, this involves seeking medical help, uh, seeking out pastoral guidance and involving the people in your life. But guess what? You also have a soul. And that soul impacts so much of your experience as well. And so there must be a component of this that you realize is going to involve God and his strength and his peace. And it's going to be a part of the new thinking that's going to lead you through these difficult waters, where he has not left you to drown. He has promised to pass you with you through those flood waters. And in fact, Philippians 4, Paul tells us Be anxious for nothing. Now, I'll have you know he does not use the word feel. He doesn't say, feel anxious for nothing. Mm -hmm. He's not commanding you to do what is impossible, and that is never inappropriately experience your nervous system flaring up when when it shouldn't. He doesn't say, feel anxious for nothing, because that would be unrealistic and unhelpful and cruel. And Paul itself, Paul himself, seems to have suffered from moments of anxiety because he, he talks about being overwhelmed, overloaded, at times, even despairing of life itself, and so he knows full well there can come moments when it 's like, "Oh yeah, that nervous system is firing right I am this is not okay." And yet he says, "Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and what will happen? then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I mean, I don't even understand how I could be so peaceful in this. Normally, this would cause me to freak out. Normally, this would cause me to lose my cool. But it's so unbelievable. It's peace that surpasses understanding. I don't understand it. I haven't figured it all out. It's going to guard my heart and my mind through Jesus Christ. I told you, you can't delete a thought, but you can replace a thought. And those anxious thoughts, those stress-filled thoughts, they can be banished like darkness is banished from a room simply by flipping on the lights. And if you'll be willing to give the precious bandwidth over from from the thoughts of stress and worry that triggers anxiety and instead you choose to respond with prayer, choose to respond with gratitude, choose to respond with worship, I'm telling you, you will find the peace system kicks in that will cause you to no longer be held hostage to the nervous system that can dominate your life and cause you to forfeit what Christ died for you to have, which is that perfect shalom, that peace, that wholeness, wellness, inside and outside. Life is too short to not have what God wants you to have in your hands. Average is okay, unless you're destined for greatness. Then average is an absolute tragedy. And yeah, living a life of constant chronic panic and stress and worry is actually normal and average. But we weren't saved for average. We were saved for the extraordinary calling, the wellness, the joy, the light of Christ in our eyes, being, being, uh, even if it's a battle day in by day out, in control of ourselves. Therefore, we can constantly be putting ourselves under God's control. And so long as you're not in control of yourself, you will never be actively under God's control. So that's what he has for each of us in the face of anxiety. Verse 16 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. I love that. One translation puts it this way. Let the word of God have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. God's been speaking to me about this a lot. There's thoughts that at times I let sit down in that comfy couch in the TV room of my heart. And he's saying that's where God's word belongs. You need to show those other thoughts to the door by seating God's word in the sofa of your soul. And that is what we need to do. Let, it have the, let God's word have the run of the place. And don't even open the door when the other thoughts knock. Finally, and we're almost done here, I want to talk about destiny. If we'll hold that thought, we will experience and move towards, constantly towards, the promised destiny of God's sons and daughters. And what is that? That is, of course, heaven after we leave this earth, but it's also the kingdom of heaven being felt while we're on this earth. And this, I would encourage you to comb through as your homework assignment this week. Psalm 23, over and over again, David has opportunities to think negatively, to opportunities to, to give into fear and worry. But he chooses to hold the thought. And, and in the end, where does he end? Goodness and mercy following him all the days of his life. Dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. What is this? This is destiny. And yeah, it's destiny of you know, home in heaven when we die. But it's also being planted in the home away from home. The local church, this gathering, this moment is a part of that here on this earth. But it takes, oh, that's a wolf. Ah! Your rod and your staff, to come for me. Scary waters. Ah. He's just leading me through. Valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil, for you are with me. It's a test. Every thought's a test. It's an opportunity. Will I hold that thought? I was created to glorify God. What honors him and glorifies him? It's trusting him. It's not giving the stress the place of the throne of my heart. Every opportunity. And, and, and all of that must be with the destiny in mind that God has for us. Hold that thought. I say it most often in context to my children. It's normally that I would be in a conversation. It's not just going to the bathroom or a phone call. It's one of my kids tugging at my pant like, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad. And you know what I do when that happens? Excuse me, hold that thought. All right, tell me more about that cloud you saw. I'll get back to the conversation when my kids need me. The queen of England can wait. And that is how your father feels about you. So when you are afraid, you can trust in him. And in those moments, hold that thought, knowing that he will, will say, hold that thought to, to whatever and, and, and whoever he needs to. He loves you so uniquely, so individually. God is not worried. Oh, they're working on the vaccine. Oh, the election's coming. Oh, the global warming. And so busy working on those things that he is not ready to stop heaven and earth to listen to you when you pray to him. Say his name. Hold that thought. Jesus, help us to glorify you and enjoy you forever. We pray this in your name. And if you're watching and you've never trusted him, if, you've, if you're watching and listening and you've never let his salvation pour into your soul, let me just save you some time and trouble in years. You will never find anything on earth so pure as the living water. Yeah. You will never find anything that can forgive your sins like the gospel, like, like the gospel says Jesus can. So here and now, and the running and the fighting, let him come into your heart and save you. How? Just tell him, I believe. I need you. Save me. Amen.